Well, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. Today we continue our study of the book of Ruth entitled God's Redeeming Love. And we are going to be looking at the entirety of chapter 2. And just a quick recap of where we are in this story. Uh, The book of Ruth opens with a famine in Bethlehem, the house of bread. So there's no bread in the house of bread. And we encounter a family, a man named Elimelech and uh, his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, Machlon and Kilion. They flee to Moab to try to find food. Moab, a pagan land, not a good choice. Elimelech dies. His uh, sons marry Moabite uh, wives, and then the two sons die. So Naomi is left with their two daughters-in-law. They're all three widowed. Orpah stays in Moab, but Ruth and Naomi come back to Bethlehem And throughout that process, Ruth is converted. She puts her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus uh, and is looking forward to Christ as her understanding of God and Yahweh. She commits herself to Naomi, uh, but more than that, to her God and to her people. And it leads to them coming back to Bethlehem and where they are, as chapter 1 ends, with the fact that it's the beginning of the barley harvest. And so that's where we're going to pick up in chapter 2. Before we uh, pray, before I pray and read this text, I do have to note, if you know it in the bulletin, the title listed there is uh, Pictures of Godliness. Uh, and that was the title and where I was when I turned in stuff for the bulletin. Uh, the Lord had different ideas, uh, and so I trust Him. And so the title of this sermon actually is Stepping Out in Faith. And so if you follow a sermon guide and discussion questions that I send out on Fridays, uh, scrap that. Uh, it's completely different. Uh, but God is faithful, and we'll trust him with that. So before I read the text, let me pray and ask for the Lord's blessing and his help. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a gift to us. And Lord, that you speak to us by your spirit. And Lord, would you open our eyes to see wondrous things in this your holy word. Lord, sanctify us in the truth, for your word is truth. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's word, Ruth 2, starting in verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. After him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know. 
the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers. He passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young men, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Legend has it that a man was lost in a desert, dying of thirst. And he stumbled upon an old shack. As he glanced around, he saw a pump about 15 feet away, an old rusty water pump. He stumbled over to it, grabbed the handle, and began to pump up and down, up and down. Nothing came out. Disappointed, he staggered back and noticed off to the side an old jug. He looked at it, wiped and dusted off. And he read a message that said, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. P.S. Be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. He popped the cork out of the jug and sure enough, it was almost full of water. Suddenly he was faced with a decision. If he drank the water, he could live. But if he poured it into the old rusty pump, maybe it would yield cool, fresh, clean water from deep down in the well all the water he wanted. He studied the possibility of both options. What should he do? Pour out the water into the old pump and take a chance of fresh, cool water? Or should he trust that message in the jug? Or should he waste all that water in hopes some flimsy instructions were written not telling, no telling how long ago? Reluctantly, he poured all the water into the pump. He grabbed the handle and began to pump. Squeak, squeak, squeak. A little bit began to dribble out, then a small stream, and then finally it gushed out full of water. To his relief, cool water poured out of that rusty pump. Eagerly, he filled the jug and drank from it. He filled it another time and drank its refreshing contents. Then he filled the jug for the next traveler. He filled it to the top, he popped the cork back on, 
And then he added a little addition to the note. Believe me, it really works. You have to give all away before you can get anything back. Friends, that's how faith works, is it not? You have to give it all away before you get anything back. I mean, think about conversion, putting your faith in Christ. You give away all of your trust in yourself, the things of this world, and you depend solely upon the Lord. And that's really the summary of Ruth's life up until this point. She gave it all away, her family, her culture, and her gods, to follow her mother-in-law, Naomi. But more than following her, she followed the Lord. She committed herself to Yahweh, the one true and living God. And that was a huge risk. Was it going to pay off? She had no idea. You see, Ruth was stepping out in faith. And here in chapter 2, we find Ruth doing that once again. Remember, Ruth and Naomi are widows. They don't have a field of their own to go harvest. They don't have money to go and buy barley, even though it's the beginning of barley season. They're poor and destitute. And Ruth steps out in faith to go and glean. Gleaning is the process of picking up the ears of grain that were inadvertently dropped or missed the first passing through of a field. When we look at how Ruth steps out in faith, we realize that you and I are called to step out in faith as well. So often in life, we don't know what is going to happen. A lot of times that's a really good thing. But yet we're called to step out in faith. And in this passage, we find three crucial elements of what it means to step out in faith. First, stepping out in faith involves trusting God's provision. Remember, Ruth is a new convert. She doesn't know the Lord very well. She's risked everything to come back to Bethlehem. She's left everything that she's known, but she's put her faith in the Lord. With no food to eat, Ruth realizes something must be done. So she leaves the house in order to try and find some barley, for it's the beginning of the barley harvest. You know, just walking out the door took a level of trust in God's provision. She had to believe that God would provide. She says in verse 2, I'm going to go and glean among the ears of the grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. She believed that God would provide someone for her to find favor, their eyes to glean. Why doesn't Naomi go? She's probably in her 50s at this point, and the text doesn't tell us, but perhaps she's so struck with grief and depression after the loss of her husband and her two sons, that she can't even fathom going out to the fields. Whatever the reason was, she stays home, but Ruth goes. Verse 3 says that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. In Hebrew, it literally reads, her chance chanced upon the allotted portion of the field of Boaz. Or as we might say today, as luck would have it. Now, why would the author speak this way? We've noticed in chapter 1 how it talks about God's sovereign provision. Why would now say that she chanced upon this field? Do you really believe that it was chance? No, of course not. Sinclair Ferguson calls this a split screen. On one screen, you have the perspective from Ruth. She goes and she finds that she ends up in this field. She doesn't know how she got there. Doesn't know that it's Boaz who's going to take care of her, but There's the other screen. 
which we see things from God's perspective. That he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And you know, oftentimes it's easier to see how God's at work from the future rather than the past. So looking back at something, we see how God provides. The Puritan John Flavel put it this way, some providences are like the Hebrew language. They need to be read backwards. You see, Hebrew, you read from right to left instead of left to right. And so for English speakers and readers, it's very confusing. You're looking backwards on a page, at least in our perspective. So often when we look at the things in life, we're looking back and say, oh, that's how God was at work. And though we didn't see it how, when it was going on. Has that ever been your experience? Have you struggled to see how God was at work when you're in a particular season? But then later you look back and realize, man, God was at work in so many ways that I never even noticed. There's no chance involved in Ruth wandering into Boaz's field. But she ends up there and the rest is history, as they say. A lot of times you and I tend to doubt God's provision. We forget about who God is and we don't know his character well enough to know that he's going to provide. You see, what you and I need to do is spend time getting to know the character of God. And when we do that, we know that he will take care of us. And that ultimately, in the big picture, everything will be okay. You see, in the Old Testament law, God commanded the Israelites to take care of the poor and the needy. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, the Lord declares, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. What what this tells us is that God cares for those in need. He knew that there would be many needy people in Israel and that the Israelites would be prone to overlook them and to say, oh, that's not my problem. Somebody else should care for you. And so he gave laws to help protect them. That's just who our God is. I have to believe that Ruth knew about this. Maybe Naomi told her about these laws, or maybe she'd read the Torah herself. We don't know exactly. Why else would she go out into the field if she didn't know that this was a possibility? Ruth trusts God's provision, and boy, oh boy, does God provide. He provides through a man named Boaz. Boaz means in him is strength. And our text calls him a worthy man. He's wealthy and he's a man of good character. In verses 8 through 17, Boaz and Ruth have a conversation. Boaz speaks kindly to her. He cares for her. He tells her, hey, I've told the young men not to touch you. Basically saying, you know, hey, this is a dangerous time. These men might be tempted uh, to, to hurt you. And I've told them, no, I'm looking out for you. Well, then it's lunchtime, and Boaz invites Ruth to join him and the workers for a meal. Notice Ruth's not treated as an outcast. Remember, she's a Moabite. Oh, but she's brought in, eats with them. Boaz gives her plenty of food, enough that she can take extra home to Naomi. And then at the end of the day, she beats out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Translates to about six gallons or 30 to 40 pounds of barley. Enough for her and Naomi for several weeks. I mean, this was an abundance of food gathered in one day. Ruth trusted in God's provision, and God provided big time. 
She knew the character of her God. Do you? Do you know God as one who provides? One of the best places to learn this is Lamentations chapter 3. In fact, this would be a good passage to memorize if you haven't. Lamentations three twenty-one to 24. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. God is a God who provides. And one of the ways he provides for us is through our mothers. And here on Mother's Day, it's important for us to stop and recognize God's provision through mothers. God really is so kind to us. If we're going to step out in faith, no matter what situation we're in, we must first trust that God will provide. He provided here in Ruth too. But stepping out doesn't just or it doesn't stop with just trusting God's provision. The second element is, of stepping out in faith is taking initiative. You see, many Christians get themselves in trouble because they misunderstand God's provision. They think, well, if God provides, then that means I just kind of sit back and do nothing. It's just going to kind of fall on my life, fall on my lap. Maybe I'll see a sign in the sky of what I'm to do, the decision I should make. Or maybe there'll be cash that just shows up in the mailbox. Sometimes God does extraordinary things, but often... He works through giving us wisdom and calling us to to take initiative. We certainly do not want to do things in our own strength. We need to be prayerful. We must trust God's provision. But after we prayed and we sought wisdom from Scripture, we're to be people who take action. That's what we see Ruth do here. She doesn't sit around waiting for someone to provide for her. No, she gets busy providing for herself and for Naomi. You know, I think we can learn something from her work ethic. She works hard. Gleaning is not an easy task. And whatever job the Lord has given you, you're to work hard. Paul says in Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Whether you're a lawyer, or a doctor, or a teacher, or a pastor, or a student, or a stay-at-home mom, you're called to work. And you work hard. Your job has purpose and value in the sight of the Lord. As Christians, there's no place for laziness. We're to be the best workers. So how can you grow to be a better worker in the area that God has placed to you? Ruth takes the initiative and she steps out in faith, but she does so humbly. She doesn't presume upon the grace of wherever she is in the field she's in. She goes and asks the, the foreman, the, the main worker there, hey, can I glean here? That's what he tells Boaz in verse 7. Boaz himself was a humble man. He eats with his workers. He's out in the field doing the job. He's not the owner staying off in the distance in the cool of the shade. No, he's getting his hands dirty. He's humble. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It means putting others' needs above your own. It means not looking out uh, for yourself and not taking all the credit or having to share all your successes with everybody. Kids, are you humble in school or on your sports team? Parents, are you humble when you talk about your kids? Grandparents, are you humble talking about your grandkids? 
Stepping out in faith means humbly taking the initiative. While depending upon him, we step out, we make decisions. Maybe you're in high school and you're struggling with the thought of going to college. Just wondering, man, what, what am I going to do? It's a level of stepping out in faith, trusting that God would provide. Maybe you're wondering if a career change is in your future and you just can't decide whether or not you should take that step. Maybe there's a big family decision on the horizon. Whatever it might be, trust God's provision and take the initiative. Stepping out in faith involves trusting God's provision, taking the initiative, and finally modeling godly character. You see, it'd be easy to, to step out and, and make some decisions, but then do so in, a, in a, the way of the world, ungodly ways. But that's not what God desires. He wants us to model godly character. Remember, in the, this book of Ruth, it's happening in the period of the judges when things are not good. There's a bunch of wickedness all around in Israel, and Ruth and Boaz kind of stand out as these godly characters. They model what it looks like to do even ordinary tasks in a godly way. B.B. Warfield, a famous theologian from Princeton Seminary, tells a fascinating story of a western city in the 19th century where there was rioting and hubbub and just all sorts of confusion every day. But in the midst of all that, a U.S. Army officer noticed a man who had such a presence about him that people were staring at him as he walked down the road. The two men approached one another, and as the man passed the Army officer, the latter found himself drawn like a magnet to turn and look at that man. To his horror, he realized the other man had done the same thing and was now coming towards him. The stranger prodded him in the chest with his forefinger and asked, What is the chief end of man? Well, those words are obviously from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, that first question. And the army officer was both amazed and relieved. He was a devout Christian and had learned his catechism as a boy. He enthusiastically responded, Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Warfield says, Can you guess how the other man said or what he said to him? I knew you were a Shorter Catechism boy by your looks. Why, he replied, that's exactly what I thought about you. There's just something about him. And that was apparent in the most ordinary activities of life, such as walking down the street. God's people should conduct their lives in such a way that those around them can't help but notice there's something different. For you and I, we should live that way even in the ordinary things of life, living out a godly character impacted by the Lord. Ruth and Boaz model this character. They trust God's provision and they take initiative, but they do that in a godly way. We've already seen it, some through their humility. But I want to point out two other things from how they live their lives. First is their generosity. Boaz was incredibly generous with Ruth. The law required for Israelites to provide for the less fortunate but it could be debated whether or not he really had to provide for Ruth a Moabite, because Moabites weren't allowed in the presence of, of Israel, really, because of the past relations. But not only does he let Ruth glean in his fields, he tells the workers to give her extra. Then he literally lets her eat with them. He gives her so much food, she has extra to take home to Naomi. And then he says, drink from the water that the men have pumped. That was so uncommon then. Foreigners were to pump water or to draw water for Israelites, not the reverse. Women were to do it for men, not the reverse. 
man, we see this being reversed. A generosity that's above recognition. Which raises the question, are you a generous person? You know, it's easy for us to be consumed with ourselves and with those right around us that we fail to be generous with others. Boaz didn't settle for the minimum requirement, but often I think that's what we can do. How might you be more generous with your money or your time or your talents? The other aspect of godly character we see in Ruth and Boaz is a care for the less fortunate. You know, Ruth is pretty low on the social totem pole. Yet she cares for Naomi, her mother-in-law. Think about Naomi for a minute. She hasn't been the greatest compadre for her daughter-in-law throughout this whole process. I mean, she's been really quite bitter. She was not excited about Ruth's conversion, and she showed no appreciation that she was accompanying her back to Bethlehem. And if we're honest, it can be really hard to love those who are bitter and angry. But Ruth models what this looks like. Maybe you have a family member who is very bitter about life, and maybe they're very difficult to be around. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to be patient and care for them, even though it's hard. In addition to Ruth, Boaz shows substantial care for those less fortunate. Ruth is way worse off than he is, even the workers in his field, and yet he cares for both of them. Friends, we must be people who care for those in need. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Do you care for those in need around you? How might God be calling you to look after those who are less fortunate in our community or in your family or wherever it might be? Ruth and Boaz model godly character, but don't be deceived. That character flows from their trust in the Lord. Verse 4, Boaz greets the workers, the Lord be with you. Focus on God. And on top of that, in verse 12, Boaz commends Ruth for seeking refuge under the wing of the Lord, the God of Israel. It's the very center of the passage. It's as if he's trying to put it in all caps and bold and underline. This is what defines Ruth. She sought refuge under the wing of the Almighty. All throughout the Old Testament, God is compared to a mother bird caring for her young. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You know, the most important thing to realize is that our godly character flows from trust in the Lord. In 2 Timothy 3.5, it describes people who, having the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. In other, in other words, they seem to be godly, but they don't have the power of godliness. Which begs the question, what is that power? And the power is the Lord Jesus Christ through the Spirit of Christ. How do we access this power? It's through prayer. So as we close, remember, God calls each of us to step out in faith. Maybe it's simply getting out of bed that you can't hardly fathom doing some days. Or maybe it's making a decision that you think is the biggest decision of your life. Stepping out in faith means giving it all away and trusting God's provision. And when we do that, we're enabled to take initiative. It helps us model godly character. Friends, our God is good. His redeeming love is better than life. And he will guide us all the days of our life. So trust him.
and live for his glory. Let us pray.